Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. In 2022, we are studying the Bible together through the lens of our theme, Life is a Garden. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Hey, good morning. Uh, Welcome to New Garden. Happy Sunday. It's great to be here. We're going to jump in because we've got a lot to cover. So if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series about gardens. We've been uh, trying to set up what the Bible has to say about gardens and kind of the life that we experience. And so we spent a lot of time in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It's kind of this creation narrative, this garden environment, this picture of what it looks like when when God and humans can partner and live together with one another and uh, with, with their Father in heaven. And, and then we talked about how that kind of failure at the test of the trees for humans, where instead of listening to the voice of God, they listen to their own desire, and they reach out and they take for themselves, which leads to all of these consequences. And what that does is it sets up the rest of the Bible to reach back to page one, two, and three, um, and use use that first kind of test as a way that, that you can see that same kind of example, that same kind of picture, that same metaphor of the garden and the test over and over and over. And so for the next few weeks, um, we will be going through a few different characters. So last week, we looked at the story of Noah and how he, he listens to the voice of God, and he takes a tree, which becomes his deliverance um, and all of humanity's deliverance eventually um, through these chaotic waters. And we saw this recreation narrative when he kind of comes out of the, the ark. And then he's tempted by his own tree, this vine that he planted, which leads to him becoming drunk and naked again. And, uh, and some shameful things happen. So if you, if you haven't been with us and you want to check back, you can go to our website, We've got all the slides posted, all of the lessons posted as well. But now we're going we're gonna to continue. Um, so from Noah, the next few chapters, you get kind of humans just continuing that downfall of violence, and it leads to the Tower of Babylon, where they come together and they want to make a name for themselves. And so God kind of, he, he has another flood judgment moment where instead of sending a flood, he, he s- spreads out and he disperses all of humanity. And they're speaking different languages and you have these different tribes and tongues and nations. So they're not, they don't, you don't have that unity of humanity anymore, but now they're, they're all kind of separate. Then in chapter 12, it zooms in on one of these families, um, on a guy named Abram, who God is going to call and say, listen, follow me, follow me wherever I, I lead you. And so Abram, he just decides to do that. And over the course of Abraham's story, which really only takes up from chapter 12 to about chapter 23, 24, um, so it's only about 10 chapters, but over and over you get these garden 
vocabulary words, these garden images. So if you remember, the garden of, of Eden is set up as being on a, a, a mountain because a river comes out and it flows down to all the other places of the earth. And so it's a high place. It's a garden. There are trees there. Um, there's this, this relationship with God. So anytime you hear tree mentioned, um, we saw it in the, the Noah account, we saw it in the, the um, Genesis account, it, it kind of harkens us back to the, these moments in the garden. Okay, so Abram, he gets the call from God, and this is what it says in Genesis 12. Um, so Abram, he went away as Yahweh had spoken to him. Um, he took his wife Sarai, his, le- his nephew Lot, and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the people which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram, he passed through the land, as far as the site of Shechem. So he's, he's going through all of the land, right? And he comes to a tree. He comes to the oak of Moray, which means teacher, but it's also spelled with the same letters as, as to mean vision or vis, visibility. Now, the Canaanites were in the land at that time, and Yahweh, at the tree of vision, becomes visible to Abram. So Yahweh appears to Abram and he says, to your seed, I will give this land. Again, remember the word seed, this promise of the woman, the seed of the woman is going to crush the seed of the snake. So I'm going to give your seed, your descendants, this land. So Abram builds an altar there at the tree to Yahweh who had appeared to him. And then he proceeds. So he's, he's at a tree. He meets with God. He continues on, and then he comes to a mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to Yahweh, and he called upon the name of Yahweh. So I think these two stories are put together um, as a way to kind of seeing them as kind of a sandwich. He's at a tree. He meets with Yahweh. He's on a tall mountain where he pitches his tent. He builds an altar, and he calls upon the name of Yahweh. So you've got the tree and the, uh, the mountain kind of vocabulary happening. Now, unfortunately, something bad happens, which if you remember back in Genesis 3, the consequences, cursed is the ground. No longer is it going to produce for you. And so uh, maybe an introduction or a multiplication, but there is a famine in the land. The land's not producing. And so Abram, he goes down to Egypt to live there because the famine was severe in the land. Now, while he's in Egypt, he actually does these these, uh, really tricky things where he says that his wife is his sister and Sarai's taken into the, the, the court of the king and, and God sends these plagues on the king of Egypt because he doesn't know, oh, that's actually his wife. And so the king gives Abram all this stuff to say, hey, get out of here. I didn't do any sin against you. And so Abram, he eventually leaves Egypt and he comes back up to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him and with Lot. And now he's very rich, livestock, silver, gold, And he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Remember that mountain where he built an altar? He called on the name of the Lord between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there previously. And there again, he called on the name of Yahweh. And this is where Yahweh, he's going to uh, create this covenant with Abram, another covenant. So Yahweh says to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. So if you remember the story, Abram and Lot, they're two big families. Abram says, listen, just go, let's go up on a mountain. 
look left, look right, you go your way, I'll go my way. We'll, be, we'll still be friends and family. So Lot goes down to the area of Sodom, which leads him in trouble. And so Lot goes away from him, and, and Yahweh says, Now raise your eyes, Abram, and look from the place where you are. Look north, south, east, west. All of this land that you see, I'm going to give you and your seed forever. I will make your seed as plentiful as the dust of the earth. I'm going to make your family like a family of just dust people, but they're going to be plentiful. So not only is it about like multiplication, but again, I mean, remember, where does humanity come from? They come from the dust. And so it's like God is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make a new family out of you so that if anyone can count the dust of the earth, then your seed could also be counted. Arise, walk about. Do you guys remember the, the walking with God language that God shows up to walk about in the garden and Noah walked with God, Enoch walked with God, and now God is inviting Abram, hey, walk with me, walk about the land with me. Let's go on a stroll. Let's go through the length and the width because I'm going to give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and lived by more trees, the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So you've got this picture, God promising Abram that his family is going to be this new family of made from the dust and like the dust. Abram is walking with God. He's, he's up on high mountains with God. He's hanging out with God at trees. And he, he's, he's meeting with God at altars near the oak of Mamre. Now, we don't have time. We don't have time to go into all the stories, but you're going to find God making a covenant of circumcision with Abram, saying this is how you're to set yourselves apart. And then Yahweh and three other men show up to Abram when he's at this tent, at the entrance of his tent. He's sitting by the oak trees and he's by the tent and Yahweh shows up. They eat together under the trees. It's this beautiful like garden picture, um, but we don't have time to get in on all that. But um, so he's there, he makes a covenant with God, and down in the valley, you hear about Lot going off to Sodom, and then there are all these warring kings. You've got four kings versus five kings, and they're all fighting against each other. Some of the kings win, and they end up taking Lot captive back to their city. And so a survivor from this war, they come, and they come to Abram. And where is Abram at? While the the world is down in the valley fighting and being violent and, and all of this. A survivor came and told Abram the Hebrew um, what had happened. Now, Abram, he was, he's living by the trees. He's, he's like in his little garden area of peace. And who is he hanging out with? He's hanging out with the nations. He's hanging out with some other Canaanites. Uh, the Oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother Eshcol, brother Aner, and they were their friends with Abram. So you get this picture of people who are not associated with Abram down in the valley fighting each other, but those hanging out with Abram under the trees. They're at peace. The nations are at peace with Abram. Just like God said, listen, if people bless you, I'll bless them. If they curse you, I'll curse them. But all nations will be blessed through you. And so we have this picture of Abram hanging out in this garden with the nations and things are at peace. In fact, Eshkol means like cluster, like a grape cluster. So he's hanging out with like these garden grape cluster people, you know, in the garden. It's this beautiful picture. Now, more things happen. God brings judgment down on Sodom. Lot escapes. Um, Abram goes through uh, 
this, he, he, God promises he's going to have a son, but Abram tries to make it be accomplished his own way. So he gives Hagar, his wife's servant, or, or Sarai gives her wife's servant to Abram. They have Ishmael, and there's this tension, um, and Abram ends up sending Ishmael and Hagar, his son and his, his, um, Ishmael's mother, out into the desert pretty much to die. And because their son Isaac is the new promised one. And so there's all these questions of Abram's doing good stuff, and yet he also, he gives up his wife to other kings. He, he sends his son off to die in the wilderness. And see, so there's this tension of Abram. Are you going to listen to Yahweh, or are you going to listen to your own desires? And so we get to chapter 22, and this is where I want to spend the, the rest of our time together. And we're going to look at it from two different vantage points really quick. Um, but Abram, he's, he's old, he's had his son Isaac, and Isaac is probably at least a teenager, if not like in his 20s or 30s at this point. He's not a, a, a baby or a, a toddler. He's a young man. Um, and God comes and he says, uh, now about that time, after these things, all the, the Sodom and Gomorrah and Ishmael and all that sort of stuff, that God tested Abraham. Now it's really important that we see the story through this lens. I don't know if Abraham got to see the story through this lens, but the story is setting us up because what God is about to ask, it's going to cause us to have a lot of questions about how could he ask that. But the story presents itself. God tests Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abram says, here I am. And then he said, take your son. Okay, that's not, it's too general. I have two sons. Which son? Your only son. Well, that's, again, which one? The one you love. Maybe I love them both. Isaac. Okay, that narrows it down. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering or a going up offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. No dialogue, no response from Abram. We don't know what's going through his mind, but Abraham... He got up early in the morning, he saddled his donkey, he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he split wood. The, the word wood here is literally the word tree, eights. It's the same word used of the trees in the garden. Um, so he, took the, he split the tree for the going up offering, and he set out, and he went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, which is translated young men earlier, I and the boy will go over there and we will worship and return to you. And Abraham, he took the tree for the going up offering and laid it on his son Isaac. So again, Isaac's not a six-year-old. Isaac's like a man, a capable young man who can carry a lot of wood. Um, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. And Isaac said, Look, the fire, the tree, but where is the lamb for the going up offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the going up offering, my son. Now, there's no uh, punctuation in Hebrew. So it could be, you know, hey, God's going to provide the lamb, my son. Or it could be more like, God's going to provide the lamb, my son. 
Uh, So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there, arranged the wood, and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the tree. Now in uh, Jewish um, writings and stuff, this story, it's not the sacrifice of Abraham. They call it the akeda or the binding of Isaac, which I think is better because he doesn't actually get sacrificed. Um, And Abraham puts Isaac, puts the, the tree on the altar, puts Isaac on top of the altar, on top of the tree. And Abraham reached out with his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And the the angel says, do not reach out your hand against the boy and do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So in another kind of tree, there's another lamb that is caught. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a going up offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh will see, or Yahweh will provide. He'll see to it. Yahweh will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of Yahweh, it will be seen, or it will be provided. So a lot of going on. We don't have time to get into everything. But um, just the idea of God asks Abraham, listen, Abraham, you have tried to fulfill the blessing I promised in your own way. You've, you've, you see what the goal is, and you've tried to get there by your own scheming, by your own self. You've slept with other people to produce a seed, and then I gave you a seed. And then you had two seeds, and you decide, well, they can't fight, so I'm going to send that seed off into the wilderness to die, and I have my own seed. Like, you've hurt numerous people. You've, you've killed your, pretty much, you've tried to kill your first son, so I'm going to deal harshly with you by asking you to give me your second son. And instead of Abraham, it seems like he's come to a point where he's looked back on his life and he said, I've tried to do it my way so many times. I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to trust Yahweh. I'm going to do what he says. And uh, he takes his son up to the altar. He's, he's about to sacrifice him on the wood. And, uh, and then Yahweh stops him and says, hey, now I know Kind of, again, this, this tree of knowledge. It's this experiential thing that, yeah, of course, I think Yahweh knew what was going to take place, like the omnipotence and the, the foreknowledge. But now even Abraham has the experience of knowing that my faith is before my desire and my will. Um, And because of this, there is a second tree and a second sacrifice that takes the place of Isaac, his son. And I I think one picture to tie us into the garden is this, that Abraham, he gives us an example of someone who passes the test of the trees by faithfully sacrificing his will and his desire for the will of God. That when given the, the choice between what I want and what I think is good in my own eyes and what Yahweh has asked of me, I'm going to trust Yahweh. Okay, so that's, that's one point. The second point is, I think it's not more interesting, um, but it's important. So I asked Finn to bring me some of his uh, Lego blocks today, and I'll just, I'll pull these out. So Legos are so cool, right? Because you can put them together, um, and they're all different, and they take different shapes. But it's one thing to say, hey, listen, here is, here's a, a short 
four orange, right? It's got four, it's short, and it's orange. This one has, what is that, 16, it's green, it's a good base. This is a red four, it's also short. There's some tall ones in here. And sometimes when we look at the stories of the Bible, we see them like this, like just on their own. And they all have meaning, they all have something to tell us, right? But the Bible, like we talked about last week, the Bible is building on itself. And how you arrange the Lego blocks creates something new and different. And the way the Bible tells a story is often as important um, as what the story is being told. So I want to look really quickly at this story, and I know it's really small, but this is the kind of the first half of that story about Abram going and uh, binding Isaac on the altar. And what I, what I hope to, to show you or to see is this chiasm, which we've talked about a lot, where you'll have like an A at the first, an A at the end, then a B, and then a B comes in the middle, then a C, and then a C, and then a D, and a D, and it all leads to one main idea in the very middle, which isn't necessarily like the only point, but it is highlighting a key thing that the author wants you to focus on. So if you start off, you hear a God call to Abraham. Abraham, Abraham responds, here I am. At the very end, you have the angel of the Lord say, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham responds, here I am. Same phrase, right? So if, if he's saying the same thing at the first and the same thing at the end, maybe that we just say, hey, those are the bookends. Is there anything as we move in? Well, you've got this uh, description of take your only son. So he, he gets up early in the morning and he takes his son, Isaac. And then at the very end, he reaches out his hand to, to sacrifice his son. Um, and then there are these two phrases uh, about wood that Abraham, he takes the tree for the going up offering, and he lays it on his son Isaac. And then at the very end, he takes his son Isaac, and he lays him on top of this tree. Then you've got uh, this idea that after they're kind of uh, taking the wood, they, the two of them walked on together, and then the two of them walked on together. Again, this repetition. And then you've got these five words that are all the same. Said, 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 said. Which is a lot to, to have in one sentence. But it's all the spoke and the said. It's the same word. And there are, there are five of these, right? So Isaac spoke to his father and said, my father. He said, here I am, my son. And then Isaac said, look, here's the fire. And then Abraham said. Now, anytime you have five, the good thing about an odd number is there is a middle one. And so if you take the very middle said, it is the here I am my son. Now I know this sounds conspiracy theory, this is craziness, but I'm telling you this is how the Bible works. Not only are the authors and God telling us a story, but they're laying breadcrumbs in how they tell the story. So not only do we hear the story, but we can look deeper underneath the story to something even greater. Because we've got this picture of a, a father who is willing to give up the life of his son. And we have a son 
who is old enough and strong enough to, like, push his dad down, take the knife, and run away, but he doesn't. A son who is willing to sacrifice his life on the altar at the will of his father. So the, the God asked all kinds of prophets in the Old Testament to do all kinds of strange things. Lay on your side for so many days to show this. Marry a prostitute to show how much I love these people. All these crazy things. And I think one of the reasons that God tests Abraham in this way is he is setting the stage for the Jewish people to have this story about a, a father whose, whose will allows the the sacrifice of his son, and a son who is willing to sacrifice his life to the father's will. Because you're going to get later on in the story a God who sends his son in, the, in human flesh. And the will of the father is that the son would sacrifice his life, would become that, 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 uh, that lamb that becomes the place of humanity. And Jesus shows up, and at the will of the father, in the garden, he prays, listen, not my will, not my desire. I'm not going to reach out and take of the tree and, and decide what's good in my own eyes. Instead, I'm going to lay down my will for the will of the Father. And so the, the story of Abraham and Isaac becomes a picture of what God, and Je- God the Father and Jesus the Son, they do for us. That we are the, <laughs> the ones who should be put upon the altar, should be sacrificed. Like our life should be the atonement for all of the the evil we bring into the world. And yet another lamb is taken and put on the tree in our place. And in the very middle of this, this chiasm, you have the father speaking to the son with all the questions that could arise. Where are you? What is happening? I don't understand. The father's simple truth is here I am my son. Abraham, he could have given up. He could have turned his back on his son. He could have turned his back on God. But in this sentence, he's like, this is how I reconcile both. I am both doing what the father wants, and I'm also loving and being with my child through it all. And I think this speaks to us as well, that, listen, there there are moments in our lives that we go through that we don't understand. God, I see this, and I see this, but I don't understand this part And I think God in this moment is saying the same thing to us. Listen, I'm with you. I have not given up on you. I have not forsaken you. I am good. And you can trust that. Um, Paul would write to the Romans and he would say, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who's going to bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, trouble, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? Listen, you know it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That through every story of Scripture, I think God's simple message is, I'm with you. Here I am. Here I am, my son. Here I am, my daughter. Here I am, my child. And there's, there's no greater picture of that than Jesus on the cross who willingly sacrifices himself for us and for the will of the Father. And so each week we go to the table. We take a piece of bread. We take a cup. We remember the body that was broken for us on the cross. We remember the blood that was shed for us on the cross. Not only to atone for our sins, to pay whatever debt we have with God, but to open up a door for a relationship with God. That just like Isaac and Abram, they, they went on together, the two of them. So I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're hanging out in the tent with, with the Father and you're having a good time, or you feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on the altar, I'm carrying the wood, I don't understand what's happening in my life. I just pray today, as we go to the table, you hear those words, hear I am my child. Let me pray and then we'll stand and we'll go to the tables. Father, I thank you um, for every story, that uh, every, every person that you've placed in the story to show us what it looks like when we follow the desires of our, our own hearts versus when we trust in you. Um, but also, I'm thankful for how you tell a story to focus this in on the important stuff, to show us that even when Jesus cries out on the cross, my father, my father, you know, why have you forsaken me? That's not the end of the psalm. But the Psalm 22 goes on to say, you're the God who hears. You're the God who sees. You're the God who knows that you are with me and you overcome evil with good. So God, today as we go to the table, help us to remember how you've brought good out of the evil in our lives and how you call us to do the same in this world. And through the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's go to the tables together. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.